the best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5. We do have a very important interview for you at this point in time. Uh, the nation has been grappling with the issue of home invasions. And we've seen some instances that home invasions have resulted in some dastardly consequences where you have persons who died actually in the incident, persons who died subsequently um, as a result of, of injuries inflicted during the incident. And the most recent one is the businessman, uh, the owner of Superstore in Arima, who died after a home invasion. And we've had a number of those. There's a lot of discussion as to what's going on, how do you treat with it, what do you do. Recently, there was a video put out on social media and uh, we had the gentleman who's joining us now, that is Assistant Commissioner of Police Specialized Support, Wayne Meister, uh, in that video, giving some, some safety tips on how you should safeguard your home from criminals and all of these things in relation to, to home invasions. He's joining us now um, on the program via Zoom. Let's welcome to our program to speak to us about this very troubling issue and, of course, to give us some guidelines as to what we do and how we do it, Assistant Commissioner of Police Specialized Support, Wayne Meister. Good morning to you, and welcome back to the program. Yes, pleasant morning to you and your listenership and viewership. I know that uh, we spoke to you last year sometime. I can't remember exactly when and, and in relation to what matter, but it's nice to have you with us here this morning. The issue of home invasion, it's one that has fostered a raging debate in the country about how crime is being handled. Um, and you can't get away from that discussion simply because people are going to associate one and the other. You, some Home invasions have moved away from just being bandits coming in your house and taking your valuables and moving. There is a level of violence that has been associated with some, if not the majority, of some of these home invasions that's worrying. I mean, the act itself should be worrying. Um, and I know that we're, you're here to give us some of the safety tips to safeguard your home and so, but just before we get to that, would you be able, do you have at your disposal um, some of the information, statistics, data on what has been happening with the issue of home invasions um, as per like, you know, how many did we have last year and have we apprehended persons in relation to those and, and so on? Would you have that information? Okay, well, I don't have the exact stats, but what I, what I want to clarify um, to let Trinidad and Tobago know is that now in, in our law books, there is no such um, crime type of the name home invasion, right? It's, it's something that that we as Trinidadians, we, we picked up from from um, abroad. So, that, so in the United States, when someone invades your home, they classify it as home invasion. Now, in our law books, we have things like burglary, house breaking and larceny, larceny dwelling house. You know, once you break somebody and enter someone home and commits and commit an arrestable offense, then we have a particular classification. But for the purpose of, you know, it's just banding about, uh, in that sense, we want to keep it um, as common as possible. And if someone invades your, your, your private space and they commit a violent crime, you know, for the purposes of this act, we'll call it home invasions, because that is the trend right now. So somewhere along the line, we may have to reclassify some of our offenses to identify that. So that is why we won't have st um, statistics saying mm -hmm. exactly, okay, 
we have so and so amount of home invasion because it will be reclassified as something else. But it's happening. Um, it's real. And, and we have arrested um, numerous persons um, as it relates to this. So it's, it's a work in progress, but we know that prevention is better than cure. And most of the time, we ask members of the public to try to safeguard themselves because the police officers, we are not ever present. We will not always be there at that particular time. So there must be something that members of the public can do. Yeah. Well, a rose by any other name, home invasion, burglary, breaking and entering, we could find all the, the relevant um, um, titles to, to, to describe it as whatever. As I, I, you, you, you agree as well, and you just said so that we're talking about the same thing. And we all know what it yes, is correct. we're talking about, and, and it's a problem that we have um, and that we need to grapple with. What is the police service doing? Um, I know you can't go into the, the, to the specifics and tell me over here tonight and tomorrow and that kind of thing, but what are the, the measures? What's, what are the discussions taking place within the police service on this issue in particular? And what are some of the plans, if you have any, to treat with it? Well, the, the main thing is prevention. So that, that, that is one of the main things that we try to push uh, in, in, in communities. So generally, you know, we go into our community, we, we assess some of the needs, we set up what you call community watch groups, and we have done that successfully in a lot of communities who actually have the ability to you know, see about themselves within themselves. So, for example, um, let's use Mount Lambert. Um, that is an area that we've been doing a lot of work in. Um, there's a very vibrant community group there, and they have that relationship with the police. So, with that combination of working in partnership with the community, we they, they have access to us at a moment's notice. So, what we try to do, and so to answer your question, and what we are doing as a as a, a secondary crime approach, is to partner members of the community to set up these networks that will help uh, from a primary point of view we we try to target of course you know when we're doing um, um crime analysis we, we we identify who are the priority crime offenders so once we identify who the primary um offenders are we then now target these offenders to get them off the streets so that is from our immediate pr um, primary response mm. um Assistant Commissioner Meister, there's, there's something else I want to get your opinion on. Um, in, in the numerous discussions that we've had on this program in relation to crime, there is a recurring element. Criminals use, in the majority of their crimes, stolen vehicles. And it would stand to reason that if a vehicle is reported as stolen and the police vociferously and, and actively go after that, and find that stolen vehicle in a short space of time, you would trickle down or immediately prevent criminals from being able to use it in the commission of other crimes. There was one incident that, that took place in Aranguez, I think it was, where a group of men um, tried to in, enter the home of a businessman. And the businessman who was armed shot about four or five of them or some kind of thing like that. The vehicle that was used in that incident on, on the Monday was stolen from a family in Karapichaima on Saturday and was used subsequently in a number of crimes between Saturday night and Monday morning when they, when they crashed in Arangas and then they went to this other place and they were shot. Now, the, the, the point I'm... And I'm probably trying to get some information as to how it works so the public might understand as well. If is, is there... 
is there enough emphasis placed on getting these stolen vehicles and automatically shutting down the crime operation? Because in this incident, if that vehicle which was stolen on Saturday was found on Saturday, you would have prevented, I hope, the criminals from, from doing the crimes that happened Saturday night, Sunday into Sunday night, and Monday, which led, them, led to them being shot. Uh, is, is that a logical position that I'm putting forward, or, or does it not work that way in the police? What happens when it comes to vehicles being stolen, and are we targeting them enough? Yes, most definitely. Um, there's a we have a new mantra in the service. You know what we say: if once we control the roads, we control crime, and and that is going down. Um, alluding to what you just said, so stolen vehicles is also a big issue. So criminals generally they they, they may not walk from point A to point B, so they're always using a vehicle. So it it it, it is whereby we will go into those situations and target stolen vehicles. But here's the thing. We, we need some help, and, and the help is... So generally when a vehicle is reported stolen, and there are numerous occasions where we recovered vehicles yeah. based on a simple thing. The, the owner of the vehicle had, let's say, a device on the vehicle, a tracking device. So it triggers off, we get the information, they give us the information about um, that, that particular GPS on the vehicle, and the vehicle is recovered in quick time. So the issue is the other vehicles that, are, that don't have these systems set up, of course, it will be a little more challenging and will be operating after the fact the vehicle was stolen. And then sometimes we have persons who may have their vehicle stolen, let's say they go to an event and when they come back, the vehicle was stolen, but they cannot say the exact time. It probably would have been between 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. in the morning. So that in itself puts us at a disadvantage when a vehicle is stolen. So, that, so, so that, those are the different challenges that we have. But what has helped us a lot is when persons outfit their vehicles with the necessary tracking devices. That 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 is a very good thing, and we're going to advise members of the public and encourage them to do so. Mm, yeah, we've had that discussion as well, and and we see the effectiveness. So I, I understand um, your 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 point. Let's let's focus now on some of um, what you're here to actually discuss with us here this morning. Um, Home invasions, burglary, breaking and entering, all those things. We see them, and, and sometimes th there are some cases that, that are heinous. Um, this one in which the businessman was killed, we were told that the criminals spent an hour and a half in the house. Now, someone would, would, would sit and say, well, how, how them, them men could have spent that long time inside there? Nobody know. Um, Unless an alarm was raised, really and truly, how do you know if there are no noises or so what's going on in a house um, in the middle of the night? But you put out a video recently that gave in it some, some pointers, some tips, some advice as to how people should deal with this thing. Let's get to that now. Tell us why, first and foremost, that video was put out. Well, it's 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 part of um of an initiative um that I decided to 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 bring along to at least you know the, the more hands we have on deck the better. So, in addition to everyone doing their part, you know, I decided to bring on something a little extra, and I decided to use my my social media platform. Um, I have a very strong following on that platform, so I I try my best not to actually you know a, a lot of people use the TikTok device and. You know, they use it just for fun. But I decided that, you know what? I think I'm going to use this 
to send a message and, and get a wider base spread in Trinidad and Tobago and probably yeah. the Caribbean. So that was the idea behind it. So I used that, that platform to get it out so I could reach more persons um, in a quicker yeah. time. So that was the idea behind doing the video on that particular platform. Mm. Okay. Now tell us the advice in, right. in, in the videos. Yes. So I, I came up um, with three Ds. Now, now, I'm just giving some simple tips. Now, there, there are a number of things that persons could do, and it will be, depend, it will be dependent on your, your, your circumstances, on, on your challenges. Because some of the comments I got was, you know, I, I spoke about a panic room, and a person said, you know what, hear what, I'm living in a one room, so where, where is my panic room? You know, so there, there are some challenges, and it needs to be tweaked to your circumstances. So the three Ds... I identify was deter, detect, and defend. So when we say deter, I mentioned that criminals, they are very lazy persons. They, they, they look for easy targets. So we, we do something what we call hard targeting. So if a criminal walks through a community and they're seeing that a place is well secured, um, there's cameras, there, there are dogs, there are signs marked, beware of the dogs, uh, the, the, the chances are they won't take a chance with that particular home. They will look for a home that is most vulnerable. The gate is open, there's a broken window at the side, and so they observe the communities, they walk through and they observe. So in deterrent, you could have camera systems, you can have um, alarm systems, and just make it difficult to deter that person. And then the second one was um, detect. You have to have the ability to detect if someone is trying to enter your home um, through trickery, and I use the, the terms persons posing as utility persons might come and say, okay, I, I, I'm the working TN Tech, I, I'm here to read your meter, I'm working WASA cable company. So you have to have a, 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 a tactic to verify those personal identification. I even mentioned persons trying to impersonate police officers because we have instances like that also. And we are encouraging members of the public to find out from the police officer, I want to get your badge number, what is your name, what department you're working in, and, and we have, you all are, members of the community have all right to ask those questions. You need to detect. You have to be super aware too of your surroundings, so you're, you're, you're coming home, you realize that there's a particular car that is not usually there, and when you observe, you observe persons sitting in the car and acting suspicious. So things like that, so be super aware of your surroundings so that you can detect if something is taking place. And then the final one is to defend. And when we say defend, we are looking at having a plan for you and your family. So for example, uh, there's a situation, you, you all need to communicate, you all need to have a, a, a particular room you could go to, to secure yourself inside in the interim, while you communicate for help. So that means if you want to communicate for help, it means to say that that particular room must be, or should have, you know, at least electrical outlets where you could have a, a well-charged cell phone and that kind of thing. And there are situations where you need to exit your home if you have time to, if there's a, another area to exit. And then the last point I made, which is bringing a lot of controversy, but as soon as the controversy is bringing a lot of hype, is that you're in a situation where you have no choice and you have the opportunity to defend yourself and your family from physical harm, then I say do so by all means necessary. And I, I, I left it as that because at the end of the day, when our backs are against the wall, we need to defend our, our, our lives and our families. Mm. So I, I just leave it open like that. Yeah, I, so I, that's I, basically... I looked at the video and, and I thought that to stand out because that is a very controversial element of the entire discussion. 
how do people defend themselves and what is considered appropriate? Now, we've had numerous programs on that, as is with people ex explaining, police officers, members of, of other organizations coming out and saying what is considered acceptable and all of these kinds of things in a situation. But when you're faced with a... It's only when you're in the situation you know you're going to respond, whether you, you, whether you can respond at all. But in a situation where you have gunmen coming into your home, how do you advise people to respond? The average individual does not have a firearm. Even in instances where people have firearms, we see that they don't necessarily, um, the situation does not turn out the way some expected to. So what's your advice to, to, to the average homeowner listening to us, or the average family listening to us this morning, who are fearful that some night they're going to hear a noise and when they wake up, it have four or five gunmen in their house. What do they do? Well, you know, so you're bringing a scenario where they have no other choice but to comply, comply with the instructions uh, that are given by the persons who are in their homes because you are at what we call a disadvantage. Mm -hmm. And any any unusual move could cause you your life and the life of your family. So in a case like that, you comply and, you know, we hope for the best. And and then, you, as I say, every situation will be different. Every situation will be unique. So do, that, that is one particular advice. You know, do not be a hero. Mm -hmm. uh, but we have situations where we had um, persons who defended themselves successfully. Um, they had that opportunity too, and they defended themselves. And uh, it, it was, it was they, they used the, the force that was necessary to defend themselves and, and their family members. So it could go either way. So we are just hoping that you may have an opportunity to do so. And if not, then you comply with, with the instructions given by the perpetrators at that particular time. Yeah. You know, um, Assistant Commissioner, I, I'll say this to you. I have the opportunity to speak to people on a daily basis on the program, and everywhere you go, somebody wants to talk to you about something, and more than likely, it's crime and politics second. And, and the impression that you get from people is that they are of the impression that, we have not, that, that we're not losing, that we've lost the battle against the criminal element, and that the criminal element is in charge and is operating with impunity and nobody seems to be able to stop them. We have a commissioner of police who unfortunately continues to tell us that she's on bended knee, looking for divine intervention one way or the other to assist with the crime situation, but that is not sitting well with some people. What do you say to persons who, I'm sure if I open the phone lines, we'll get these calls, people who will say the police just not doing enough? Well, what, I want to assure members of the public we have not given up. We have not lost the fight against crime. As a matter of fact, uh, we, we are standing even stronger together. But there, there's, a, there, there's a little issue. So if you mm. notice the, the title of my video is Safety is Everybody's Business. So, you know, you know sometimes in, in the past, you know, persons had the attitude that, okay, well, this didn't happen to me, so this doesn't really concern me. That happened to the neighbor and, and so on. But what we are saying now is that it is not, crime is not discriminating. Crime is not just about, okay, we're going in this area. Crime could happen to anyone at any time. It, it was like COVID at that particular time. It, it, it not discriminating. So what we're saying is that we, we, we are fighting the elements and we want to fight with members of the public. We want to partner with you all. So it, of course, it, it, there's a lot of things that members of the public can do to assist us. So for example, a lot of people may not be aware that when, when we hold the perpetrator of a crime, for that person to be successfully convicted, 
it means to say we have to have the witnesses and the necessary evidence to 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 present to the court once that is not available so for example you might have a person might be a victim of a crime and they may have to go on an identification parade or they may have to give evidence in court and somewhere along the line persons may decide that you know what because of fear i'm not going to go forward with this case anymore and the perpetrator is released by the, according to the law there's no choice but to release the perpetrator from the um, judicial system so those are some of the things that i'm talking about that we need to work together mm -hmm. so that we could deal with a scourge in, in, in a holistic way yeah i i i know that uh, the 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 focus of our discussion here this morning is about safety tips and some of the things that people can do we have an entire week of, of discussions on crime and some of the things that people can and cannot do and all of these things. One of the suggestions was, of course, a strong community watch group and some sort of mechanism to raise an alarm if something is untoward. And we've seen, actually, videos and instances. People saw individuals who were suspicious. They raised an alarm with these air horns and these bullhorn and whatever else, and these fellas hightail it out of the, the place. Um, and there's also this suggestion that people can install security devices and others. Uh, give us some information, some of your suggestions as to what people could possibly do to make them less of a target or probably um, less, less um, appealing to the criminal element. Right. So that first one you mentioned about the community watch group network, that is one of our best crime fighting um, tools that we could use when we partner with members of the public. Now, if a member of the public want to set up a watch group, it's very simple. Let's call the closest police station, ask to speak to the community officer, and they will come and set up the whole network system for you. So it means to say the communities have to be a little more tight-knit. No longer can we just say, okay, um, I'm, I have a neighbor next door, I haven't spoken to that person for 20 years. It is very important that we interact with our neighbors because we look out for each other. We are the eyes and ears of, of the community. So that is important. You spoke about the air horn. That is also an excellent um, device. Um, it's been used throughout a lot of communities. And the criminals, we, we find that when the community is more tight-knit, we find that criminals, they may not venture the go there. Most of the times when we check our statistics of crime being committed, I mean, I'm not identifying any area in particular, but there are areas where the community is not really together. Everyone, you know, so there's a level of underdevelopment, but sometimes too in, in a particular community. So when the criminals realize that this area is disorganized, that is when they, they, they look to, to get their, their act together. But when a community is well organized, and when I say community, some people think a community is an extremely large zone. No, sometimes you could subdivide big areas into small communities so you may have may have a street that in itself is a community network you may have another street that could use the same system although they are in the same geographical location so those are some excellent ideas that members of the public could venture in and of course not to mention on our part the increase of patrols and and, and information being gathered about persons in the area so all that combined in one we, we can help in this situation that's definitely good advice. And I mean, every little thing that you could possibly do to act as a deterrent one way or the other is a step in the right direction. Um, um, and, and the advice that you gave, you know, some people may say, well, if the police do the work and lock up these fellas, I ain't got to do all these things. But at the end of the day, um, while there's, there's some validity to the argument, it's about making sure that you protect yourself. Because the police really cannot be everywhere. 
And as I highlighted with the case with this businessman in Arima, these bandits were in that man's house for an hour and a half and nobody knew anything. And, and that's how, when these things happen, um, they play out. Um, Assistant Commissioner, I want to thank you for being with us here this morning. These will be lovely questions on our interview. Any final words of advice to our population, a population that at this point in time is torn as to how we're dealing with the crime situation? What's, what's your parting advice to them? Well, I just want to let Trinidad Tobago know that the Trinidad Tobago Police Service, we are committed and we, are, we have not given up on members of the community. We will fight, we'll continue to fight. We'll use all our resources available to, to deal with this crime situation. And of course, we cannot do it on our own. We need the assistance, members of the community. We want to partner with you all in a meaningful way. We know we have challenges. We are another perfect organization. Uh, there are a lot of issues where persons can identify. And we are trying our best to, when persons bring up these issues, that we identify them and we try to, 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 to deal with those issues um, in a meaningful way. So the Trinidad Tobago, we are here for you. And let's work together to fight against crime. Yeah, I want to thank you. This will drop our interview here this morning. Um, I, thank I'm you very much. Yeah, it's nice to have you. I, I'm sure that we'll have further conversations throughout the year as we continue as a nation to grapple with this thing called our crime situation. Thank you once again for being with us. Sure. Here. The best insight, instant feedback, accountability. The all-new Talk Radio Freedom 106.5.